after a couple years in and due to some really intense addiction issues, I had to leave because I was like, I can't bring a child into this dynamic. Like it's unsustainable. I I was like losing it as a wife. I was like, I can't even imagine having a baby. So I left. Welcome to Barely Naked. I'm your host, Christina Beischel, and together we will explore topics such as mental and physical health, healing, and well-being. We'll meet inspiring individuals and hear their stories. I'm so excited to have you here. Let's dive in. Hi, Alex. Welcome to Barely Naked. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. I'm so excited to have you here. So you're a dating and relationship coach. And um, when I told my friends that you were coming on, everyone had questions to pass on to you. So uh, (laughs) I have an entire list of things that I've collected, my friends asked. So let's see how far we get. Um, I want to start with a few more general questions about dating and dating apps, first dates and so on. And then we'll move into the more, um, yeah, the things like recovering from toxic relationships and, and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so the first question I have for you is what's the biggest challenge you see in dating, uh, today? People are too scared to just speak up for what they want and be straight up about it. <laughs> I really feel that if we could all just commit to doing that, no matter how you identify in your gender or what your orientation is, then a lot of the stuff we see that's unhealthy in these dating dynamics would just disappear. So yeah, it's like, if you want to fling, that's great. Own it. If you want a serious relationship, own it. One night stand, whatever it is or anything in between. It's like, just speak up for what you want. Because that way you're not, you know, being dishonest or withholding information from the other person and you'll get to your end result that much quicker. I love that because I did have one question that a friend of mine sent me and she said, if you're on Tinder, for example, and you Mm -hmm. want a serious relationship, how do you put that in your bio without sounding needy or too much or too full on? Okay. Owning what you want does not make you needy or too much or demanding or clingy or whatever this patriarchal culture we have. Um, I Full transparency, I um, when I was on dating apps, I put serious inquiries only is what I put on mine. But you are welcome to like find your own verbiage for what that is. So like a client of mine, for example, she's a huge Friends fan. And I was like, well, a really good two for one is like I'm looking for my lobster. Because if you watch Friends, you're going to get what that means. And if you don't, you're going to be like, okay, not quite sure. But that way it guarantees she's speaking to her person, right? She's speaking to the person who she knows watches Friends just as much as she does because they get the sentence. Um, And then, you know, it's aligned because they most likely are also looking for their lobster, you know, their one person. So um, Anything that's playful like that, but I absolutely like even the research shows like a a really well curated bio of 70% of the information is about you and 30% is saying what you're looking for actually performs better on dating apps than just like generic information like reading a resume. Okay. And what about pictures? What are your top tips for pictures? Uh I could talk about pictures. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. 
no more selfies. <laughs> no more selfies. They're out. Like, show us that you have a friend who will take a picture of you. Um, and the like, please, the the mirror bathroom selfie is so early 2000s. Don't associate yourself with the toilet. It's very out. <laughs> um, and uh, the other thing that I think is really um, good to kind of know is that photos that are candid, especially for women. So you're not looking directly at the camera perform really well, especially on apps like hinge. Um, and then also even black and white photos as well, which caught me by surprise when I was researching, like what photos actually perform well on dating apps. Um, and then the other one, huge, huge, huge here, show your pearly whites, like actually smile and show your teeth. The closed lip smile, um, psychology says when we see someone do that, we subconsciously think that they have something to hide because it looks more mysterious. And so at least your first, yeah, at least your first photo, you want like a really great, you know, full on smile, something that's just really shows you off. And then like, maybe you can have like a coy little closed lip smile, you know, further down on the, um, on your profile, but you want a good variety. And then I have to say this when it comes to photos with friends, please, please, please make sure we know who you are, like circle yourself, put emojis over your friends' faces, whatever you need to do. But it's something that so many folks think like, well, I've shown you who I am in all these other photos. So you must know who I am in this group photo by now. Nope. Make it stupid simple for whoever's looking at your profile. And then how to move the conversation from the app into real life. What are your tips around that? Oh my gosh, you got to do this. Um, if you want to protect your phone number, I totally get wanting to use an app like Snapchat or Telegram or something. I get that, but please keep in mind you can always just block them. The reason you want to get off the app is because, again, they're matching with a bunch of people. And so they're going to pay more attention to their more personal notifications than something like a dating app notification. Um, but as far as like getting there, like I'm a full believer if like, if you're ready to move the conversation to texting, just throw it out there. Be like, okay, cool. I really enjoyed getting to know you here. Here's my number to take it to the next level. Winky face. Like you can be fun about it. Um, or you can ask for theirs, you know, like again, really great talking to you. Like I prefer messaging on, you know, via text or on Snapchat just because I silence my Bumble notifications. If that's you, be honest about it. A lot of people do that because they don't want to be at work with Bumble blowing up on their phone. So whatever it is, just own it. Either offer your number or grab theirs. Um, I will say if you uh, want the control over the situation, like knowing when to tech, like you get theirs, right? Because then it's like the ball's in your court whenever you reach out. Um, but yeah, those are just, again, own it. Doesn't need to be wrapped up with any anything super special. And then say you're not on an app because it does still happen that you see someone in a bar or a restaurant or a club that you might yeah. like. Um, yeah. How do you make the first move? Yeah, I totally recommend, um, you know, the five second smile, which is like a generic flirting tip you see quite often on the interwebs. So, you know, making soft eye contact, a nice little smile, you know, and if they come over, great. If not, then you can do what's called the hit and run technique where you, um, after you've done the smile and the eye contact, if they don't come over, you can, you know, not immediately let it simmer a little bit, but then kind of go over there and make some kind of remark. So about whatever is going on. So if that's like, let's say you're at a bar and, um, there's a game on and you know, they're watching 
watching the game, like you can make a remark about like, who's your team or something like that. And if it starts a conversation, amazing, sit there and just go back and forth. And if not, that's the run part where like, if they're not actually engaging, then you just keep on walking. Um, so it's, it's up to you on like how you want to position yourself as far as like, what you want to say. But again, make it something that is, you can tell they're already doing. So if it's like a drink, it's like, what's your drink of choice? Or if it's a clothing item, like, oh my gosh, love that band, you know, whatever it is. But you're making a comment on something that you know they have something to say about. Yeah. So let's say this all works out and you're going on a first date, right? You're sitting there, everyone's nervous because we always are. Um, and the conversation isn't flowing. What do you do? Breathe, breathe. Silence is okay. And it's one of those things where, um, it kind of feels like those scenes in a movie where the character feels like everything's going in slow motion. So like what maybe 10 seconds of silence feels like five minutes to you. (laughs) Um, so just breathe. And, um, what I always say is when you're going on a first date, you want to ask questions again that you want to dig deeper in off of their profile. So have like a couple canned lines like tucked away in your brain. So again, if it's something like in regards to where they've traveled, you know, um, what's, what's the best trip you've ever been on? Who's the coolest person you've ever met while traveling? Like those are really interesting follow-up questions. You want to stay away from like the interrogation interview vibe of like, you know, what do you do for work? Do you have any siblings? Do you have any pets? Like those are so generic. Everyone asks them. So your, your gold is going to be, you know, in open-ended questions as well as follow-up questions to what you've already discussed. So, um, whether that's referring back to something that happened over text or something you saw on their profile or something that just naturally came up in the conversation, asking follow-up questions is a skill set that will set you apart from the rest. Are there any topics you should just not mention on a first date? Oh man, this is something that I get asked a lot. And my personal opinion is like, no, I mean, I don't really think so because we all want to date efficiently. Like if it's, if it's, if we have a deal breaker, like religion's the, one of the easiest examples to reach for here. Like if religion is like a deal breaker for you, that's something that you want to find out pretty quickly because what, if not, if that's something that's really strong and near and dear to your heart, you don't want to go on 10 dates and then find out that they completely, they're atheists, right? And have no belief in a higher power. You're going to, that's not going to be aligned. So, you know, if it's anything like a deal breaker type situation, I think trying to find that out within the first two dates is completely valid. I think what's more important is pacing yourself and opening up with the other person. And what I mean by that is like, for example, I'm divorced and we might get into my story, but like, that's something that I divulge to people who in person so I can gauge their reaction. And also when I've decided that I actually am interested in getting to know them more because one, it's my private information that I get to choose who I share that with now in a public setting, I shout it from the rooftops on social media. But when I was dating, that wasn't me yet. Um, And I think the reason that we really need to stick to this is because any of the manipulative narcissistic types, those are their 
quote unquote bargaining chips. Like those are the ways that they love bomb you, that they eventually use those things against you. You know, like you're divorced, you should listen to me because I've had healthier relationships. And it's like, okay, wait a second. If that was true, you wouldn't be in this, you wouldn't be dating. (laughs) Like, so, um, you know, just pacing yourself with the kind of information that you divulge to people that you're randomly meeting. Um, if this is like maybe a friend sets you up, so there's a little bit more rapport built on the date, that might be a different case. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, don't share all your deepest, darkest secrets with someone who you don't fully trust yet. I love that. I also, um, just on the other side, I would love for guys to hear this right now because the amount of times mm-hmm. I've been on first dates and I walked away from this date knowing their entire dating history plus some, and they basically yeah. do not- nothing about me because they just feel like, oh, okay, now is the time to tell everything. And it's such yeah. a turnoff because yeah. you just feel like they, they're looking more for a therapist or I don't know. Yeah. And that happens a lot when people get nervous. I actually just made a TikTok on this the other day because what happens is when we get nervous, we default into the one comfort zone topic we know the most about, which is ourselves. And it becomes this lecture. Like I said, it's like, and then I grew up here and then I did this and I went to college here. And it's like, they probably don't even realize how much they're talking about themselves, but because they're so in their head, that's just what they can, that's the only place their brain can function to go to. Like, this is the one topic I can discuss. And so, you know, even taking the time to kind of be like, okay, cool. Now it's my turn. Like interject and be like, so let's talk a little bit about what I've done, you know, and you can make it playful in that way. So you're not like, like fully calling them out, but at the same time you're interjecting, like to speak your piece. Um, that's, absolutely doable and a skill again, that is valued in the dating scene nowadays. Okay. So I have another question that a lot of people have been, um, asking me to ask you, um, why do people ghost? Everyone's a people pleaser. No one wants to be responsible for hurting anyone else's feelings. (laughs) So that turns into, oh my gosh, I can't tell them that I'm not into it. So I'm just going to ignore them, which everyone agrees is so much worse than just freaking telling me that you're not into it. Right. So it's like, again, my, so, okay. I've been on both sides of this. I've been the ghosty and I've been the ghoster. And when I started dating intentionally, I made a vow, like I'm never going to do that to someone because karma is a thing. So treat other people the way you want to be treated. If you're tempted to ghost, remind yourself that you know how this feels and it's not cool. So we need to grow a pair and actually just let the person know, like, look, this isn't, this isn't working out for me. And so the text that I always sent was just like, thank you so much for your time. It's been great getting to know you at this point. I don't feel the way I need to feel to keep seeing you, but I wish you all of the best. And it was like a really well-rounded text because I was thanking them and being appreciative for like the time they've given me. I was being very clear with like, I just don't feel the way I need to feel. Like, I'm not trying to say it's anything with you. It's just my feelings aren't getting there. And the last part is like wishing them well, you know? So take that again, switch up the the verbiage if you want to make it more unique to you as a person, but it's always better to just let them know. Ghosting is, is a waste of time and really a reflection of someone's inability to have a mature conversation. And if you've been ghosted, tell yourself that is someone you wouldn't want a relationship with anyway, because relationships require uncomfortable conversations. And if they can't even let you down easy, 
then how are they going to deal with conflict? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have this theory that most guys come back anyway. <laughs> the orbiters. And, um, so what do you do? Yeah. So what do you do? Someone has ghosted you or maybe they haven't ghosted, but maybe the situation ended for whatever reason. And then like three to five months later, they text you and it's the usual, I don't know. Hey, what's up? How are you doing? What do you do? Mm, okay. Personally, I would be done. I wouldn't even revisit again because if you if you didn't know my value enough the first time around, why and you needed to date other people to figure that out, like mm, that's not the vibe for me. However, I want to be like I think this depends on how the person comes back because if they're like, "Hey, what's up?" That's so low vibe. Like that's so just like low effort. Whereas if someone comes back and they're like, hey, you know, six months ago when we met, like I wasn't in a place where I could truly appreciate you as a person. But like looking back in hindsight, like I made a mistake not exploring the potential that we could have had. Would you be open to seeing me again? That's a totally different response. And so that kind of response, I would be like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's explore this because you're like, you know, telling me that you value me and that, you know, you just weren't. Timing is a huge thing. So if that is really what happened own it, communicate that because it makes the other person actually feel like you're not coming back for second best, right? It's like no one wants to feel that way. So um, depending on the response or the reach out that you're getting from the person, I would use that to make my decision. But please know that have some self-respect for yourself and some worth because it's like, look, if you didn't know how special and unique I was when we first met, what makes this time around any different? Especially if you're just reaching out with a, Hey, what's up? (laughs) You know, with a, Hey, what's up? Is it totally fair to just ignore it? Yeah, I would. Or would you respond? No. Um, I, at that point, if it's been months and like, like you said, it fizzled out or they ghosted and then they came, like they came back treat again, treat other people the way you want to be treated. (laughs) Um, you can, if you want to reach out and just close the door, you can be like, Hey, not much, you know? And, and if it goes anywhere, if they try and make that thing, you just shut it down. You're like, no, like, you know, we had the chance and I've moved on and like, I'm in a better place now, or like, I'm looking for something different now, like whatever you want to say, you can absolutely do that, but match their energy. Don't, don't be like, oh my gosh, hey, how are you? If they're just giving you like a, hey, what's up? Like, that's what I mean by match their energy. You don't need to overindulge. Love that. Um, also on that note, is playing games ever okay? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. Uh, look, a healthy, mature partner isn't going to want to play games. Everyone's over the dating games. Everybody. Talk to any random person on the street and they're going to be like, no, it's complete bullshit. And yet we get the reason these games are prevalent is because we've been told for years to don't double text, don't text him first. You know, if he's really into you, you're going to know and like he's going to, you know, pursue you and like all these things. So you just need to sit back and make him come to you all the time. Um it's baloney. It's, you know, everyone wants to feel wanted and desired. So it needs to be balanced. Um, so no, no healthy long-term relationship starts off playing dating games. Okay. So how do we feel about the date role? For anyone who doesn't know, 
third date rule means you wait till the third date to sleep with someone. Um, but a lot of people seem to be using that more to their advantage than anything else. Uh, wait longer than three dates, ladies. Like the sad truth. And I get this because so many, there's so much content even all over TikTok and Instagram. That's like you sleeping with them on the first date. Isn't going to matter. Cause if they want you as a girlfriend, if they see you as a girlfriend, then they'll, that'll happen from the beginning. And if they don't, then they don't. I personally feel it's best to wait it's a couple weeks, maybe a month, maybe a little longer. There's even a dating coach out there who says, don't kiss for the first three months. Like don't even kiss. Um, for me, that's a little extreme. Cause like I, I want to at least know if you're a good kisser or not for that sexual chemistry. But as far as like going all the way, I do suggest waiting because it's like, it'll weed out the people who are eager to get there and do exactly that three dates in boom, moving on. Um, so yeah, pace yourself. And by the way, uh, again, a healthy, mature partner is going to be willing to wait. And actually they would want to wait as well because the other thing we need to acknowledge about our human brains and the amount of hormones that are released when we have sex, it's basically, it screws with our judgment, just like alcohol. So you will get more emotionally invested, the more physical you get early on. Um, so again, pace yourself, take your time, hold out for not only yourself, but also to be able to qualify the other person into your life. And so say you are in a happy relationship, everything's great, whatever, but you have completely different ideas about marriage and children. Is that a deal breaker? You know, this is a great question because this is different for a lot of couples and there's some science on this as well. That's mind blowing. So for certain people, it's going to be a deal breaker. For me, it would be, I want clarity on, you know, what's our, what do we, what do we believe in the Institute of marriage? What do we believe about kids and raising kids and things like that? Before I make a lifelong commitment to someone, I would want to be as close to being on the same page as possible. And we need to understand that people grow and mature even after they're married, right? So, um, you know, I actually just had a married couple who have been married for six years and he is now debating if he wants kids or not. And she's like, oh my God, we we're totally planning on having kids. What are we going to do? So Gottman Institute, if you haven't heard of them before, they're an amazing research lab, um, psychologists who have studied couples and, um, you know, they call this set of problems perpetual problems, which means that it's just a difference in personality and opinion that you need to accept and handle it with humor and grace with your partner. Or if it's going to be that much of a problem where you're feeling the need to demand or give an ultimatum, then that's, in my opinion, where it becomes a deal breaker because you can't control the other person and it's not fair for either of you to be demanding something of the other person. So, um, in the case with the couple I was working with, that's literally the conversation we had to have is like, you're either going to need to accept that he needs time to figure out if he wants kids or not, which may be a year, which may be two years. And you're just going to be hanging out. Or if you're eager to start having babies, then like you guys need to have that conversation and it may be best for you to part ways. And that's really yeah. uncomfortable, even for me as a practitioner <laughs> to have to like navigate because it's just, it's the reality of the situation. You know, you need to know if, if having a family is your number one priority, then you need to find a partner who that's their number one priority and they feel it in their bones, you know? Um, 
whereas my boyfriend and I, you know, we love kids. We're great with kids. But as we've been together and after going through COVID, we've kind of had a lot of conversations around, we don't know if we want kids anymore. And that's okay. And thankfully, we're not married yet. So that conversation's a lot easier to have. <laughs> um, but we both have just like been self-reflecting around our goals for our lives as individuals as well as a couple. And it's like, does kids having kids make sense for us long term? Um, so hard truth, but they're either you either got to categorize it as a perpetual problem and have to deal with it and accept it, or if it's that, if it means that much to you, you got to step away. That's so interesting. And I think a lot of, I have a lot of uh, people in my circle as well who deal with exactly that. Um, and everyone has a different take on it. Um, so it's very interesting to hear that as well. Um, so I want to move a bit into the toxic relationship topic. So you are actually a trauma-informed dating and relationship coach. So I kind of just want to know what got you there, your journey, your personal story, if you're up for sharing it, and then we'll go into the questions around that. Totally. So, um, the cliff notes version is I was raised in a home where, um, there was a lot of religious and narcissistic abuse. And, um, at the ripe old age of 20, I found myself walking down the aisle, getting married. And then, um, after a couple years in and due to some really intense addiction issues. I had to leave because I was like, I can't bring a child into this dynamic. Like it's unsustainable. I could, I was like losing it as a wife. I was like, I can't even imagine having a baby. So I left and, um, divorce is the worst is the worst. Like I, even if, and I was happy to be doing it. Like, you know, I was the job I had at the time I was dancing for Disneyland and my friends brought me a happy divorce cake. Like we were all celebrating because we knew it was the best decision for me. But even if that's the case, it is so painful. I wouldn't wish it on, wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. So as timing would have it, that was when Bumble was literally brand new <laughs> and Tinder had been out for a while. So thinking I was ready to date again, made a profile and got to swiping and only got into one toxic relationship after the other, after the other, and ended up settling for a guy off the app that um, chronically cheated on me. Like every two to three weeks, like clockwork. I knew exactly the pattern, all of his like, you know, behaviors that I knew were leading up to it. And I stuck around for way too long. And then when I finally decided to leave that, I was so numb. And I think that that's kind of when you know you're done with a relationship. You're like, I have no emotion about this anymore. Like you were just, I was empty. I had nothing left to cry about because I had spent the last year and a half freaking crying about this dude over and over and over again. And so, um, you know, I started, I turned to Google (laughs) and I was like, what, what has me stuck in these unhealthy relationship patterns? Because as I was crying and trying to figure out like, why is love so hard? Why is dating so hard? I, I, I'm, I've always been the girl who's like wanted to be a wife. Like I've, that's been my number one is like, I want the partnership. So how can I make that happen? And then I had to come to the honest truth is like, Alex, you're the one thing all of these relationships have in common. So if something's going to change, it's going to start with you, which might really be a hard horse pill to swallow 
but it's also so empowering because that means all the control is with me. Like, okay, cool. If I change, everything else is going to change. So let's go. So as I started Googling and I went down this like Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole of psychology information and I fell in love with it. I was so fascinated by like how we are as a species, um, you know, how we're wired to stay into certain patterns and habits, even if logically we don't want to, but we're so conditioned to snap back unless we have certain tools and tricks to actually help us out of those patterns, which lies in emotional regulation, which is just a fancy way of saying, you know, reprogramming your nervous system essentially and, um, healing, like we need to heal. And so I started doing that. I started implementing those skills into my life um, every day because I was desperate for the change. And that's the thing that's beautiful about a rock bottom (laughs) is when you are that hungry for change, you are like, I do not give a damn what is in my way. I am going to make this happen. Um, And that was me. So for the next year, I dated really intentionally. Like, And what I mean by that is like, I would be on the dates, but I would communicate my needs. If I saw something fishy going on, I would confront it instead of like making over excuse, you know, making excuses for them or taking over responsibility, meaning, oh, maybe it was something I did that caused them to do that. Like, no, not my problem. They're their own human being. Um, and so then what ended up happening is, uh, I ran, I literally was at a work event, no makeup on in like a tattered pair of Ugg boots. And I ran chest first into my current partner completely unexpectedly. And we just had such a natural conversation that, um, I asked him on a date. I asked him on a date and I sent him the first text ladies. So let me tell you, Mm. um, broke all the rules. And, um, I made all the nerdy jokes I wanted to make. Cause like, I'm a huge star Wars fan. And he just was like, Oh yeah, you're, you're, that's my kind of girl. <laughs> so, um, here we are about three years later, uh, living together with our pup. So yeah, it works. This stuff works. It just takes a skill set and it takes some intentionality. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty intense story though. So, um, Good on you for making it out and doing something positive with it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I know what it feels like to be that frustrated in a puddle of tears. Like, oh my God, why does this hurt so bad? Why is this so hard? And then I know what it's like to be in a relationship where someone gets you and, you know, you really enjoy each other and you are met with kindness when you speak up for your needs instead of anger. (laughs) And I want that for everyone on this planet. I really do. It's such an amazing thing to experience. So let's make it happen. So say you've been in a toxic relationship and you come out Mm -hmm. and as you said, like there's not much left of you, you know, everything's been drained from you and okay, you think you're ready for dating. You start dating. Yeah. And as you said, we're conditioned to go back what we know because it feels more comfortable. Um, So how do you avoid doing that? How do you avoid getting into another toxic relationship? So you first, you want to know what patterns you naturally gravitate towards and put yourself in. Um, and I actually have a free web class on that. If anyone wants it, you can message me. Um, but that'll help you like, just understand the dynamic. Like, are you the caretaker type? Are you the codependent type? Like what category do you usually fall into? Um, and then with that awareness, you need to know that like, okay, so I'm the type of person that likes to rescue people, right? Like, so I tend to gravitate towards the person who's like, 
hating their life or has some crazy drama going on and I want to be able to save them from that situation. So I turn it into a relationship and I do all the things for them. I overly give and then I get nothing in return. Like, let's say that's your pattern. One, you need to avoid people if you're on a date with them and you see they're negative and they're talking about drama. That should be like, I'm running in the opposite direction. Okay. Um, The other part of getting out of these patterns, once you know what you gravitate towards, is knowing how to recognize red flags in real time. And this is why um, I actually started my podcast with my therapist best friend, Ditch the Script, because it's not good enough to know the definition of gaslighting. It's not good enough to know the definition of breadcrumbing or love bombing. You need to know what it looks like in human interaction because it can be sneaky. And if you're not like a private eye, like that's what that is, that's what that is, you're going to miss the cues. And so in my podcast, we analyze reality TV, like, you know, Bachelor, Love Island coming up this summer, which we're so stoked about. Um, And right now we're doing Married at First Sight to literally say, in this interaction, when this person said this, that was contemptuous. And we don't speak to our partners in a contemptuous manner because our goal is to do this, is to quite literally educate anyone on how to actually recognize manipulation in real time and all of these other red flags so that you're not getting the wool pulled over your eyes because it can be really sneaky. A lot of these unhealthy behaviors, one, have been normalized by society, but two, can be wrapped up with words and actions that seem really romantic and they're not. Um, so those, that's how you avoid the toxic cycle, knowing what you gravitate towards and avoiding it like the plague and also recognizing red flags in real time and paying attention to them, not justifying them and giving like, oh, well, maybe they just had a bad day. No, even if they have a bad day, they're not allowed to raise their voice and cuss you out. (laughs) It's never excusable. Talk me through the most common red flags. So you just mentioned bread coming, bread crumbing, love bombing and gaslighting. Uh, Talk me through those and any other ones that come up a lot. Oh, man. Um, Yeah, there's I have a whole slideshow in my program on this because it's insane the amount of things that we've been conditioned to think are okay because of Hollywood movies and our own dysfunctional family patterns. So um, love bombing is any kind of grandiose gestures, compliments. Um, you know, it can also show up as future faking. So like someday we're going to go to Europe and travel the world together. And like, you've met, you've known each other for two dates and it's like, you're making these crazy plans. Um, so that's my point is it sounds so romantic. It's like, Oh my God, this guy must be so into me. If he's like making all these crazy lavish plans or like he's bringing me these huge gifts and like, it's only been three dates and like, he's always spoiling me. Like, yeah, it might feel great, (laughs) but we need to pay attention because the reason love bombing is used as a tactic is because it establishes a false sense of intimacy really quickly, right? Because you're like, you think he's buying into you. So you're like, okay, I'm going to buy right back into him. But if there hasn't been any kind of trust built, and in my opinion, trust equals consistency over time. So like you want to get to see their consistent behaviors before you fully buy into who they are as a person, because everyone's on their best behavior, or at least should be on their best behavior in those first few dates. So time really is the secret here. Um, 
So that's love bombing. And then when it comes to breadcrumbing, breadcrumbing, it's like the Hansel and Gretel tale, you know, like the witch leaves a trail of breadcrumbs just enough for the kids to keep following till they get to the destination she wants. It's the same idea with dating and relationships. It's like they're giving you just enough attention to keep you around, to keep you replying to their texts, but it never moves forward, right? It's a bunch of empty promises about like, maybe we'll see each other this weekend. Maybe we'll go on a date next week, but nothing ever comes of it. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. We're not, we're not about that. Um, Gaslighting is huge. And also something that's been so normalized by society for way too long. The term actually comes from a movie in the eighties, I believe maybe even maybe earlier than that, but it's called, um, gaslit. And it's all about the, it, the term comes from the movie because there's these gas lamps and she talks about like, yeah, they were on and her husband's like, they were off. So that's gaslighting. It's just denying what the person remembers or their opinions or their feelings, right? So I haven't watched the movie yet, but I really want to, even though it's like old school black and white, um, just to like get familiar with it. But I grew up with a lot of gaslighting in my household and it can sound like you're so sensitive. You're so dramatic. Um, I was even told at one point, your mind is betraying you quoted. Your mind is betraying you. Um, like I'm making something up. Um, and it really causes the victim of the gaslighting to one question their own sanity two not, uh, trust their decision-making progress. So there's a lot of self-doubt. Um, and three, it causes them to want to just stay silent moving forward because anytime they speak up about their opinions, their feelings, their ideas, they get met with you're wrong. That's not true. There you go. Making things up again. You're so dramatic, whatever. And so they just start to silence themselves, which is the whole point of the tactic because then it turns into self gaslighting. So for me, you know, dealing with what I went through growing up. Oh my gosh, this is such a crazy, I can talk about this all day, but I'll keep it short here. After going through the amount of gaslighting I did growing up and in my relationship that led me to my rock bottom because it was so gnarly. It was to the point to where I would go on Amazon to make a purchase and I would be like, do you really need this? No, you're, you're being a lot for like wanting this extra little book and I, for a book, Christina, I would be like, you don't need this. Like, and you're really entitled for wanting it. And I would like put myself down in my own mind. So my Amazon cart would be filled with like 80 things. <laughs> and that might sound really silly to someone who might not have been like, who hasn't been through the insane amount of gaslighting that I had, but please know that it can get that intense for someone who's been through that kind of psychological abuse where you're like, I can't even... I can't even trust my own decision-making process over a candle. Like, <laughs> and it's, it's really intense. You start internalizing their voices. Yeah, exactly. And so even like I get chronic migraines and um, so I'm on a prescription for them for when they show up, I need to take it and I'll start to get an aura. And if you have migraines, you know how intense that can be. And I will even belittle my own pain in my mind. It's a habit. Cause it's like, okay, Alex, is it really that bad? Are you making this up? Like, mm. and I've had to literally condition myself out of that to be like, I'm feeling a pain. I'm feeling an aura. My temple feels like it's going to blow out the side of my head. I get to take a prescription drug. That's why I have them. You know what I mean? So it's, it's funny because 
I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny. It's really painful for the person going through it. But I want to encourage anyone who's listening that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you can get out of that thought process. (laughs) It's a bit like brainwashing. Well, it is brainwashing, essentially. If someone keeps telling you you're unworthy or um, the things you're doing is wrong, and if it happens for long enough or often enough, you start believing it and you just internalize it. Yeah. Yeah. And you think you are the cause of the world's problems. Yeah. It's it's a very scary thing. So moving away from red flags. Yeah. So how then do you realize if someone is genuine? So say how I said before, um, I've been in situations where I've been love bombed and I've been through certain things that you mentioned and I go on a date and someone is super nice to me and I walk away and I'm like, not sure if they're being genuine or maybe they're love bombing me. Mm -hmm. So how do you know the difference? I'm so glad you asked this because this was literally me when I first started dating Jordan. My partner was exactly that. He was so consistent and so good about like, because again, we were working this thing together. So he brought me coffee the next day, like after our first conversation. And I was like, oh my God, that's so sweet. But also I'm suspicious because like I had just gone through a year of like, again, intentional dating. I'm never doing that again. And now here I am dating this guy and he's like, bringing me coffee, bringing me cake, like really treating me so well, making reservations for our first date, which is like ladies bare minimum. Okay. (laughs) Um, but I had never had that happen to me before. So two things to look out for one consistency, maybe three, three things, one consistency. Okay. Are they hot and cold or are they genuinely, you know, keeping up with the kind of pace that they're setting for themselves because love bombing will be like, they'll have this really intense conversation around like, you know, you're so beautiful. And like, you know, how are you single and da, 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 and all of these things. And then all of a sudden, like communication may be inconsistent or they might be in a mood later and not nearly as kind or something like that. So love bombing tends to be a little bit more, um, calculated. So it'll show up at a specific time. Whereas consistent, like, they're, they're wanting to show you that they're, they're there for you and that they are truly interested in getting to know you. It'll be more consistent in behavior Two, my personal opinion on the fastest way to know if someone's a decent human being or not is to understand the friendships they have in their life. Because if someone is not capable of establishing long-term friendships that are more than just we go to the gym and count reps for each other, okay? I'm talking like we've been friends for like 10 years. We met working together. We met in school. And like he's my buddy that I call when I'm like having a bad day. That kind of friendship is what we want to be looking for. Because again, if someone doesn't have those types of friends, they're showing that they're incapable of having emotionally intimate relationships of any kind, right? So pay attention and get to understand, you know, what their friend group is, who their friend group is. If you can, within the first month, meet their friend group, see how they interact with their friends. Like that's gold. Um, And the last tip I have is pay attention to how they respond when you say no, or you set a boundary. Um, I have this saying, you know, if someone doesn't respect your no, they don't deserve your yes. I love that. And it's so powerful. Yeah, it's so powerful because at the end of the day, if we, even like when we're first getting to know someone, I tell my clients all the time, stick to your routine. If you go to the gym on Tuesday, Thursday, keep going to the gym on Tuesday, Thursday. Don't stop going to the gym to make room for this date. Because you letting them know like, hey, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm not available because I go to the gym. If they're like, 
but it's taco Tuesday and I need to take you to this new taco place that's out. And you're like, I go to the gym on Tuesdays and they're like, but you need to come to this taco place. Like what, don't you care? Like I'm trying to take you on a date. That is a red flag. And it might seem so subtle. And again, you're welcome to reestablish the boundary. And like the goal here is you want them to respect that instead of trying to push you to, you know, do what they want you to do. So, you know, pay attention to those types of dynamics. You know, if you say, if they say, you know, let's, I want to take you to Indian food and you're like, no, I feel like Mexican. Are they annoyed by that? I was looking forward to Indian food all day today. And now I'm going to take you to Mexican because that's what you want. Okay. Bye. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's over time, right? They weigh um, you down. So it starts small and then it just adds exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So even to those small things that we all like to brush under the rug, like, oh, it's really not that big of a deal. It is a big deal because it's showing that when you speak up for what your routine is, what your boundaries are, they are going to try and push you. And that's not sustainable. Totally agree. So say you're leaving this toxic relationship, you're moving out. And then how do you get over that? Because I think a lot of the times when you leave a toxic relationship, right, the sentence that most of us then end up hearing is, you'll never find someone like me, or you you can't do as good as me. Um, so then obviously, being still in that mindset, you leave that relationship, and maybe that's still sticking with you. How do you get over a the situation, but also that person? Okay, well, first of all, if you hear that, you are winning you are winning. Because if anyone tells you, you'll never find someone as good as me or no one will love you as much as I do, huge ass red flag. Run, run, run away, flee. <laughs> um, because uh, that is, that's pure manipulation and also a version of gaslighting right there. So bye. Um And the way you heal, because a lot of times this will happen where people are healing Uh, uh, someone that they were just pursuing, not even like a full-blown relationship, right? So allow yourself to feel. You're allowed to grieve. You're allowed to, um, you know, feel sad about, even if it was the early stages, you're allowed to feel sad about the hope that you had for this relationship that you now don't have anymore, right? So even if it is like, for me, I knew that when I left my toxic ex, like it was a win. I knew that. That didn't ma- mean that I left and was like happy, like purely stoked about it. Even with my divorce, I talked about that, you know, breakups suck. They hurt for both parties, right? So for me, it's like you need to, or what I would recommend is taking your time. I really think journaling is, I have so many letters to my toxic ex, like so many F you, you did this. And I can't believe you would treat me like that. Treat anyone like that, you know, and like write out your feelings. And if you're too emotional to journal, I give this to clients all the time. Voice note, everyone has a cell phone. Every cell phone has a voice memo app and just speak your feelings like into your phone as if you were talking to a therapist, a coach, a best friend, whatever. Um, or if you're talking to them and you just want to scream and cuss them out, do that too. You know, let that energy out in order to process our emotions. We really need to feel them. And that's the thing is we one aren't taught that. So we try and just like, you know, the saying, especially in the dating world is like to get over someone is get, get under someone else. Right. We all hear that all the time and it's the worst thing you can do for yourself. And like, believe me, I practiced that and it, only pushes the, you know, kicks the can down the road further and your emotions get pent up in your body and like turn into anxiety and you just don't want that. So 
feel your feelings, and I promise that they, they will pass. Then take the time to like really reflect and see what you ignored. Like what red flags did you ignore in the beginning that you can see more clearly with hindsight, you know? And then from there, like truly taking the time to remember your worth and who you are and all the things you've accomplished and like building up your self-confidence. Because when it comes to moving on from a person, we need to understand Matthew Hussey. He's a great dating coach. I love him. He says it the best. He's like, if someone doesn't want to be with you, that should be an instant boner killer. (laughs) Right. And it's the same, it's the same for everyone because it's like, if someone doesn't see your value enough to treat you well, to be committed to the relationship, to be committed to growing themselves, to be the best version of themselves in that relationship, that is on them. You know, so many women struggle with like, what if I leave this relationship and he's a better version for the next girlfriend? And it's like, okay, what if that happens? What if you're a better version for your next boyfriend? Right? It's okay. What matters is at the end of the day, you are worthy. You are valuable. You are unique because you are the only you that's ever going to be on this planet. And that's something to be celebrated. So own that. And, And that would be my suggestion. Feel your feelings, reflect, and then remember who you are and everything that you bring to the table in a relationship. I love that answer. It's really, really good. I think there's a lot of tips and just uh, ideas in there that are really helpful for, for mm-hmm. everyone listening. Um, so say you, you know, you moved on, you've met someone new. Yeah. Um, obviously you're maybe a bit nervous in the beginning because you're not quite sure and, you know, still insecure about yourself and not trusting yourself. How do you make sure that you create a healthy and long lasting relationship with that new person? Um, kind of going back to what I said before, like whatever, um, weaknesses in that self-reflection period post break breakup that you can recognize that you have, you know, things that you want to do better. Communication is one that everyone is constantly wanting to improve because that's the number one cause for divorce is miscommunication and also the inability to resolve conflicts. Um, So if that's something that you need to work on, go into your next relationship really cognizant of that and intentional about that, Um, which means using I statements, you know, and, and knowing how to regulate your own emotions. Other than that, it's being fully transparent and authentic. You know, at the end of the day, everyone wants a partnership with someone who understands who they are, with someone who feels like their best friend, that they're wildly attracted to, Right. And the only way that you have a best friend relationship like that is by being truly you, is making the dorky, nerdy jokes that you might save for only certain people in your life. Do that with whoever you're dating. Because again, that is what's going to be the magnet for finding a soul-aligned, healthy relationship, right? So like for me, it was the Star Wars jokes, okay? Um, But like being really intentional about leading with your authenticity because that way you guarantee that this this person's buying in and falling in love with who you truly are as a person. And then again, minding your weaknesses and, and taking action steps even before you're in a relationship to use those skills. So let's say you struggle with boundaries in a relationship, start setting them now. Set your boundaries with work, set your boundaries with coworkers, set your boundaries with friends and family. Practice that now. Practice healthy conflict resolution now, you know, whether it's with family or friends, you know, 
communicating your needs. I need this. So moving forward, can we do this instead? You know, I prefer whatever moving forward. Can we do this? It's like when you wait for a relationship to try and then establish all these skills, you're going to be kind of working overtime because it's a lot all at once. So practice now, even if it's just you staring at yourself in the mirror, finding your words, like it's, it's the best way to go about it because when you wait, like, okay, I need to work on being a better, you know, fighting fair in my relationship. Okay. I'm in the relationship. Okay. We've been together for three months. Here's our first fight. Now I'm going to try my new fighting fair technique. Holy cow, Batman. That's a lot to do all at once. It's like practice, practice, practice. So I want to talk to you about your work uh, and your um, your program. So you've got the Empowered Woman Academy yeah. and the Soulmate Attraction Accelerator. Mm-hmm. Tell me about these two programs. Tell me what they are, yeah. um, how they work. So Soulmate Attraction Accelerator is my luxury high-touch program um, that's three months long. It's private coaching. So it's me and my client working together every week, um, hour-long sessions. You also get Monday to Friday text and voice chatting support. because And the reason I offered that is like a lot of times when people go to therapy or work with another coach, a lot of the work happens between the sessions, not actually during the session. So being able to help with any resistances or blocks that come up as well as celebrate the wins, like that's the fun part, you know? So you get that. And then you do also get access to my online course, Empowered Women Academy. So Empowered Women Academy is an online course that you can also purchase separately. That's self-paced. So you go through the materials at your own time. You are in there for three months, which is more than enough time to complete all of the materials if you work consistently at it. I like to say if you set aside like an hour a week to go through some of the materials, you'll complete it with more than enough time. Um, And that takes you through everything from, you know, ways to hack your nervous system and um, self-soothe, self-healing modalities, things like parts work, inner child work, shadow work, chakra work, all that juicy stuff, Um, tapping as well, which I love. And then it goes into uh, self-love and discovering who you truly are, your authentic self and embodying that. And the last piece is all about setting yourself up for relationship success. So dating profile optimization, how to be a standout date, body language cues, how to flirt, texting formulas, and, and then into things like boundaries, communication, fighting fair, compromising, all of that. Um, so I put my blood, sweat, and tears into that program. It really is my baby. And like, it's, it's what old Alex, like the younger version of me so needed in order to become who she was today. Like they are, they're all of the tools and tactics that I use to get to where I am today. Um, and so, like I said, you can purchase that and do it on your own time. And then there is an, a VIP option. If you wanted to upgrade that comes with the texting and voice chatting support as well. So, Yeah. Amazing. So, uh, how can people, um, where can people find this? How can people get in touch with you? What if someone wants to book a session with you? Yeah. What are the details? Um, so you can, uh, find me on Instagram or TikTok at the Alex Scott. And I want to say Scott is spelled with one T like Scotland. Um, cause I am Scottish. Um, so you can find me there on socials and then you can also head to my website, alexscott.com and be able to find that there. Um, either way you, I love it when people reach out over social media because I get to chit chat with you and really fine tune like where you're at and then give you the best offer that's for your current needs. So feel free to hit me up if you need a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, those are, those are the best ways to find me. 
I will also put all your details in the show notes so everyone can check out awesome. uh, how to find you there too. Um, and that's the end of my question. Is there anything you would like to add that we haven't covered? No, that's it. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. Thanks so much for coming on. There was so much fantastic tips and information in there. And I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Did you enjoy this episode? Then feel free to share, like, follow, subscribe. Just hit all of the buttons. For more info on today's topic, check out the show notes. You can also find me on Instagram at Christina underscore Simone or LinkedIn, Christina Beischel. I'll be back with a new episode next week. See you then.